I told the guys, my mom would be really disappointed if they couldn't record me this morning. So, um, Not that anybody else listens to the podcast, but my mom does. All right. Let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm just I'm amazed and awestruck at the privilege that you give us to to look into your word that you've selected me as the messenger. And so I pray this morning that you would uh, open our hearts, open our eyes to see what you have for us. That you would uh, remove anything of me and let your message shine through. Amen. All right, so let's start out and uh, read the passage for this morning, which is from John 15. It's a, a long passage, and I promise I am not preaching through the whole thing, but you need the context. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So if this sounds familiar, it ought to sound familiar, because this is but. Dennis has been preaching as he's been preaching through 1 John. And, hey, look, it's actually written by the same guy. So the, the theme's going to be the same. And the main gist of this passage is that God is the vine. and or, Yeah, get this right. That God is the vine and we are the branches. And so... It's our abiding in the branch and the branch being our supply that actually uh, supplies our Christian life. There's two um, main pieces here. If you look at uh, the verse uh, six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So if you aren't abiding, you probably aren't saved. In verse 8, 
that by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples, which is the opposite. God is actually more interested in your success as a Christian in a Christian life than you are. And he's interested in you bearing much fruit. Now, this is the gospel. What, what makes Christianity unique is that Christianity is a relational religion. Uh, I actually was talking to somebody this morning, and they were saying how we, we always say that, you know, we're, we're not religious. Christianity is a relational, it's about a relationship. It's not about doing a bunch of stuff. And the world doesn't get that. But that's the key difference, is that we're in relationship with God. And the gospel is, is the problem with sin is that sin breaks that relationship. And so we need some way of being restored in relationship. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us when he died on the cross is he paid the penalty for all of our sins so that we could be in relationship with God again. That's the whole point. So when we're talking about being in a relationship, we're talking about abiding in Christ. And you look at this stuff, the, the big question you ought to be asking is, all right, abide. We talk about it, but how do we abide in Christ? And sandwiched between these two verses is what I think is the key. In verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. The key piece of abiding in Christ is having God's word abide in us, having Jesus' word abide in us. And if you go back to uh, the beginning of the book of John, uh, John 1, 1 to 5, you'll see the same thing. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so just a cross-reference uh, showing that, that Jesus is the Word. But how do we get the Word in us? Now, there's a couple of different ways we can do it. Uh, we can come to church. You can listen to Dennis. You can listen to me. Um, Jeff preaches sometimes. Dave preaches sometimes. We can read Christian books. We can fellowship with other believers. We can read the Bible. But of all of those, the one that's actually the best source for us is reading the Bible because it's the direct written revelation of God. It is God's word to us. The other means, you go to church and listen to somebody talk, they're fallible. They could say something wrong. You could read a Christian book, but not all books that call themselves Christian are telling the truth. You could listen to Christian music, and you got the same problem there. Not everything that says it's a Christian song is really proclaiming the truth about who God is. So as I was thinking about this, my, my assumption is we all, because we're all here, and uh, we listen to Dennis and, and the style of preaching that he uh, uses, where he's going through 
a, a verse every Sunday and all of our preaching is based on Scripture, I'm going to go on the assumption that we all agree that the Bible is our main source. What I wanted to do this morning is look at some various ways that the Bible is of benefit to us. And the first one is actually in verse 7 again. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. One of the things as I've been reading through the scripture and, and pondering in particular prayer, uh, one of the things that I've started to notice is a lot of things that we pray for as Christians aren't things that the Bible actually specifies as things that we should pray for. Um, not that they're necessarily wrong, but they're not really endorsed either. Some things that we pray for really aren't on God's mind. And the only way we're going to know that, the only way we're going to be in tune with uh, what God has in mind for us to pray is by reading the Bible. Another reason that we would read the Bible is to know God's will. In Psalm 19:105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, one of the things I think is really interesting about this verse is it doesn't say your word is a guide. You know, a guide is somebody that's going to take you to a destination. It's going to show you, okay, this is the way you ought to go. It does, it's not talking about the Bible as being a self-help book. It's talking about the Bible as being illumination. Hey, don't trip on that route. Hey, don't stray off the path. That might not be so good for you. Hey, you know, go this way. It's, it's, it's something that's going to um, more show you what's there than guide you by the hand and, and take you a particular way. Uh, another way is uh, to renew our minds in Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what I find interesting, and I, and I just heard a, a sermon about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, we don't think about most of what we do. If you think about how you walk through your day, like I'm not thinking about I'm going to, you know, put my foot here and put my foot here. And, you know, as I'm walking across the room, I'm not thinking about my hand gestures. I'm barely thinking about what I'm going to say next. And that's how we spend most of our day, not really thinking about what we're doing. And so it isn't until things go really wrong that we go. That was a bad idea. And so what we need is a renewal of our mind, a renewal of our how we think, not what we think. Of how we want to be, not what we're actually doing. And so the Bible is a means to get us in that direction. This is not about major events. A lot of people that I know will think about, well, okay, I've got this decision to make about what college should I go to or what job should I take or 
you know, all of life's major decisions. Who should I marry? And those are good things, but those are so small in comparison to life. There's another verse in uh, Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of us, the first time we read that, and particularly in the, the, the churches that I grew up in, which were really good churches, but a lot of us read this and thought, oh, great, I will desire God. I will make God my treasure. I will delight myself in the Lord so that I get all the stuff that I want. But the problem with that is all that stuff you want is still your main desire. Otherwise, you wouldn't be thinking about it this way. And somebody pointed out to me years ago, what this verse is probably saying is, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you those desires, not not the stuff that you want, but he'll actually give you new desires. So how many of you would like to have more faith? I know I sure would. Right? Okay. Romans 10, 11, uh, 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And uh, so... The Bible is actually a means to give us more faith. It protects us against false teaching in Acts 17, 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. We ought to be the type of people that when somebody says something that doesn't line up with scripture, we go... I'm not so sure about that. Now, the best example I have of this is uh, from algebra. And I figure if Jeff Jeff can talk about plants as a horticulturalist, I can talk about algebra as a programmer. Just be glad I'm not talking about code. So if I told you that one equals two, most of you, I hope, would think I was crazy. But I can prove to you that 1 equals 2. See, if A equals B, and then we multiply both sides by A, we've got A squared equals AB. And then we add A squared to both sides, you get A squared plus A squared equals A squared plus AB, which is 2A squared equals A squared plus AB, just simplifying it there. And then we subtract 2A from both sides... And then we simplify that down to actually you get, if you follow that all the way down through, you get 2 equals 1. I won't bore you with the whole proof. I've just proved to you that 2 equals 1. Now, most of you, I hope, are going, if you haven't seen this proof before, it's a pretty, you know, it's like algebra 101. You, You get this in class. But if you haven't seen it before and don't know what the fallacy is, you're thinking... There's got to be something wrong here. You're still thinking, I don't know what it is, but two can't equal one. And by reading the scripture and reading all of the scripture and reading it over and over again, where you get in your life is, 
Something's not like, I don't know what it is, but something is not right here. Now, the most common slide uh, uh, verse that we think of when we think of that we need to read the Bible and what it's good for is, of course, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And this is another verse where, you know, because we know it so well and we've tried to make the Bible largely a self-help book, we read this as, when I read the scripture, I need to make it be something that's doing one of these things. And I think what this verse is saying is all the other verses that I've read to you this morning are indications or illustrations of how this happens by reading the Bible, by having it uh, part of you. It will teach you. It will reprove you. It will correct you. And it will train you. Now, before I move on to some practical help on reading the Bible... Because right now you're probably all thinking one of two things. One of probably um, a little guilt, like I'm not reading the Bible and I ought to be reading the Bible. I'm not really feeling real good about that right now. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about translations. There's there's oversimplification, but there's largely there's two types of uh, Bible translations that we use. There's the thought for thought translation. And the thought-for-thought, thought, the, the nice thing about a thought-for-thought thought translation is it's really easy to read. Um, the other type of translation is more word-for-word, word, and it's, they, they try to they concentrate more on, let's make sure that we're actually translating each word correctly and then secondarily making it readable. Um, some of the translations that you're familiar with or should be familiar with that are thought for thought are Living Bible, The Message, Phillips Translation, and, and the NIV. The word-for-word word examples are King James Version, New American Standard Version, English Standard Version. Now, my, my main issue with, and I'm, I'm just going to show my hand here and where I'm biased, but my main issue with thought for thought is because it's kind of trying to get the idea across. Necessarily, in order to do that, the person who's doing the translation has to figure out what the original author was trying to say. And so in reading a thought-for-thought translation, what you're getting is, to a certain degree, some sort of commentary. And um, you have to hope that the guy who did the translation actually got it right. Now, this would be like... If, you, if your wife was overseas and your wife only talked another language that you don't know. So maybe my wife only speaks French. And she does speak French, but she, you know, if she only spoke French. And she wrote me a letter. And so I got a translator because I'm terrible with languages. I don't know. I don't even remember the Spanish that I took. So I'm reading her letter. and I, It doesn't make any sense to me. I can't even pronounce the words. So what I do is I hire a translator. And that translator 
comes in, and instead of translating it, what she wrote, word for word, what he does is he tries to translate what he thinks she meant. You guys ever played a game telephone? Well, this is, this is going to be a major problem because you're, you're not just like trying to repeat words here. What you're doing is you're, you're repeating thoughts. And so it can, you can get yourself into trouble. So I, there, are, there are places, I believe, for, for looking at those other translations. But I think for daily Bible reading, what you need to work, uh, lean towards is something that's more word for word. Yes, it will be hard. Uh, it will be hard to understand, but you're getting the direct revelation, or, or at least in, unless you want to go learn Greek, and I'm having trouble with that too. But if you wanted to read it in the original languages, that would be awesome. Now you're thinking, or you should be thinking, or I would be thinking if I were you, oh man, this is way too hard. I can't do this. And my first answer to that is, yes, of course, it's hard. Reading the Bible is hard. You know why it's hard? Because Satan doesn't want you to read the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, you might find out what the truth is. You might change some of your behaviors. You might be working more for his enemy instead of just doing what the world wants you to do. So, yeah, it's hard. But I'm going to suggest some things that might make it a little easy. One of, one of the... This is something I like when I lead the Bible study and I talk to guys. This is something they've all heard me say. You, know, you need to read your Bible. And one of the first things that we think about when we think about reading the Bible is, oh, I can't do that. It takes too much time. Well, who said anything about how much time it was going to take? You know, I, I think we get this concept in our brain that, you know, in order to you know, pray and be, you know, really doing what God wants me to do. I need to pray for an hour or I need to read my Bible for an hour. And so I've, what I've found is anytime I want to change what I'm doing and move in a new, dire- new direction, I start with, well, what do I think I can do? You know, when I started exercising, I decided, okay, I needed exercise. When I started exercising, I decided, well, what I could do, well, what I couldn't do was I couldn't go to the gym. I didn't have enough time because I figured, you know, it was going to take me like 15 minutes to get there, 15 minutes to get back. And, you know, I have to spend a half an hour just to make the trip worthwhile. Right. That would take an hour out of my day. And, you know, I'm only a mile from a church and there's a, an exercise place between us. So it wasn't that far away. But what I figured out is, OK, what I can do is and this is back when I was working on my house, I can stay stop every hour and a half and do an exercise. So that's what I did. It gave me a break in the day, and I got some exercise. And now I do it in the morning. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't spend a half an hour exercising. I just do what I can do. And when I started reading, you know, when I started reading my Bible or when I started praying, I did the same. What, what can I do? Well, I can spend, I could spend, how many of you think you could take you know, five minutes in the day? Could, you could take five minutes out of your day to read your Bible. Not that hard, right? Take 15 minutes. You know, when I, I read the Bible, I read five different chapters of this particular plan I'm working in, I'll get to later, but there's a plan that I'm using where I'm, it's uh, 10 chapters, supposed to be 10 chapters a day. I'm doing five of those each day. And it only takes me 15 minutes. 
it's, it doesn't take as much time as you think it will. So what can you do? Stop thinking about what you can't do. Think about what can you do. Um, the other thing I would uh, suggest you take a look at is what are you spending time on that you don't need to? You know, we, we all have waste in our day or time that we're not doing anything when we could be doing something better. So one thing that you can do is you can get audio Bibles. You know, technology is great these days. You can get um, audio, either CDs or you can download stuff. Uh, if you've got an app, there's a, U, a, a, a version of the Bible called Uversion, like the, I think most of us have on our phones. Um, most of the translations in there, they'll read you the chapter. So you can, you can actually play the audio. And you can do that on your way to work or while you're on the school bus going on the way to school or, you know, pick a time. Um, and related to what are you spending time on, there's this principle of garbage in, garbage out. Or Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable... If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So if you're consuming, I, I call it consuming, if you're consuming information from the world, what are you thinking about? Like you, if you're listening to what the world is listening to, what are you ultimately thinking about? Well, you're thinking about what the world's thinking about. So you need to get some stuff in there from God's view. Now, talk a little bit about Bible study, which is the next notch up. If you're not doing anything right now, if you're not reading your Bible at all, just kind of ignore what I'm going to say. This is for the people that are already reading their Bibles. This is like the next notch up. So Bible study. One of the things that I would suggest that you do with Bible study is don't get a Bible study guide. Because the same problem with the Bible study guide that I have with, with commentary Bibles is if you get a Bible study guide, Unless they're done really, really well. And, and most of them are not in this category. Unless they're done really, really well. Most of them are going to guide you through the passage so that you see what the person who wrote the Bible study guide wants you to see. Right? Bible study, personal Bible study, should be God revealing to you what he wants you to see. And so here are some things that you can do. As you're reading through the passage, uh, one of the things that I do is I write the passage out. And then after I write the passage out, I'll, I'll write up like a paragraph at a time. And then I'll start asking questions. I won't always even look for the answers. I'll just start asking questions. And the, the guys that have been in my Bible study for the last year, as we've traveled through Mark, know what that looks like. Because what some of the questions I'll ask are, well, what did this look like to the guys that originally read this? Or what... When Jesus said this to the crowd, what were they thinking? You know, there's some things that Jesus says. When you actually think about what he's saying from their perspective, when he hasn't gone to the cross yet, and you're like, what did they think he was saying? Because they'll talk about the gospel, and we, you know, we all hear the gospel and go, oh, well, you have the four spiritual laws or, you know, whatever. You know, we know what the gospel is, right? But the people he originally said that to... They didn't know what he was talking about. All he knew was he was saying something about good news, because that's what gospel means. Ask yourself, 
the basic who, what, when, where, how questions. Ask yourself, how does this passage map to the rest of Scripture? And you'll read something like we just read in the Bible study this last uh, Wednesday, uh, a passage that said something to the effect of um, whatever you pray for, you'll get. I mean, that's just that's how it was written. But we read that and we're like, really, anything I can pray for anything and anything I can pray for a new car. Uh, You know, and so we work through. Well, how does that line up with the other scriptures that we know about talking about prayer? Does this seem to conflict with other passages in Scripture? I think we're so afraid sometimes to go, I, I, this, this doesn't line, this, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at this, they don't, they don't seem to agree. So wrestle with it. And then the other thing I would say is don't try to force application. Um, the, the great thing about the Holy Spirit is when he wants you to know something, you're going to have trouble running away from it. Now, the final thing I would say is there's, there's a danger in reading the Bible. And that is uh, a lot of us, because we grew up in the Western world and because we're so educated, a lot of us try to read the Bible as a book of facts, right? And the Bible, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he, he kind of called them out on this. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. What he's basically saying there is, listen, the, the, the Bible is about God. It's not about a bunch of facts. It's not, yes, you will you know, develop some theology and develop some doctrine in the process of reading, but the Bible is about God. It's not about what we do or how to live. So, my hope is that in, in seeing this, you'll be encouraged to, um, if you're not already reading your Bible, if you are reading your Bible, to just dig a little deeper into it and to read it as uh, a way, a, a means of knowing God, not knowing who God is. Let's pray. God, once again, we, we thank you that you have given us your word. Um, that you are interested in us knowing you, not knowing about you or knowing a bunch of facts, but just knowing you. Thank you for that, and I pray that you would uh, make us hungry and thirsty to know more of you. Amen.